0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam from the Back Patio Network. And as always, or as most of the time, I'm joined by my good
1: buddy, Mike Atkins from NerdsOneEarth.com. And today we've got four new chapters,
0: uh, well, new to us chapters of uh, My Hero Academia Vigilantes. This week we've got, what is it, 59, 60, 61, and 62.
1: That is correct. We are reaching um, the end of volume eight of Vigilantes. And, uh, these four episodes slash chapters pretty good and very interesting. Where we left off last time, uh, we kind of came to the end of the o'clock slash six arc question mark, um, and then we, we said that there seemed to be a pretty uh, clear indicator that we were going to be doing some Izawa history or flashback stuff, and that's exactly what we get for these four chapters and probably a little bit beyond. Uh, is I, I is what I would so. imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, we really only get Koichi in like three panels, so we're leaving behind all of our vigilante pals, and we're taking a trip to the past, basically.
1: And I'm for it. I mean, not just because it features Beizawa, um, but obviously <laughs> that that certainly helps, but it's um, it's very, it's different. It's a it's a big change of pace, uh, and it takes us back not just to the, the history or the past of specific characters, characters that we're more familiar with. By way of My Hero Academia proper, um, but also back to kind of the early days, a very different UA. Um, and, and I thought that that was pretty cool too.
0: Yeah, definitely. We actually find out before we get into this, I was going to say uh, we find out that Aizawa and present Mike were in 2A instead of 1A. And I thought that was interesting. For some reason, I assumed that they would have been like top of their class students, you know?
1: Yeah, we find out actually that Aizawa is at the top of his class in a couple of ways, but is not the shining star that I would have anticipated him being. But I I do think that one of my favorite things about these four chapters is that while it is Aizawa who is the central focus of these four episodes, it is not even remotely close to the same Aizawa that we know and love from earlier in Vigilantes or later in My Hero Proper. Uh, It's a very, very different character. And that's part of the reason why I think Aizawa is going back and processing some of this and even verbalizes at some point that Way back then, he wasn't who he is now. And so we're seeing, it's not just, you know, taking Aizawa as he is, as we've known him, and just planting him in a 16, 17-year-old body and seeing things as we know them to be. We see a very, very different picture and portrait of Aizawa in particular. Uh, And I thought that that was a really important uh, avenue of exploring this old stuff. Like, I mean, I like Aizawa, but I, I like this different approach to Aizawa as well, a lot, actually.
0: I do too. I do too. So why don't we go ahead and jump into episode 59. Mine was named Rain and Cloud. Samesies. Nice. I like it when ours is line up. Like sometimes one's a little bit better than the other, but when they line up, it feels right.
1: Well, we still got three more episodes after this one to see if, if all of our stars have aligned for uh, 59, 60, 61, and 62.
0: Maybe we need to do Aizawa's uh, uh, star charts at the end of this episode or for the
1: beginning of next. Oh, you his horoscope? Yeah, since these are all Izawa's. Listen, our... our uh... Our episodes only have room for one segment, uh, one fancy segment at a time at the end. We already decided that we were doing combo moves, but maybe That's next fair. week I'll have a horoscope ready for us for, for young guys We'll see.
0: That's fair. Well, we start off episode 59 with Aizawa receiving a phone call from Midnight, who is still coercing him into becoming a teacher. I mean, she's talking about how much she loves it. The classes are a lot of fun. Uh, She calls all of her kids cuties. And the whole time she's like combing a little cat. And she's in her like giant sweater that we've seen her in, in Vigilantes several times. And of course, Aizawa is not feeling it at all. He even says like, really, I I hated school. Uh, Not too many great memories there. Why would I want to go back?
1: I think, too, before we get too far into uh, this conversation, that that cat that uh, Midnight is petting is not just any cat, Adam. No, it's not. It is sushi. It is sushi. Uh, I didn't even make that connection until looking at that cat and comparing it to the picture of tiny kitten sushi in a few pages. But, yeah, that's cool. And I think somewhere in here, Izawa always says that cats live for like 20 years, so totally yeah, fits he this does. timeline.
0: Yeah, because he does a weird dad thing and kind of gets onto Koichi for a few panels, but we'll talk about that in a second.
1: Yeah, yeah. So sh- she's called him and is still kind of trying to lay this teacher bit on his shoulders. And her big pitch at this point, uh, in in this this coercion, this this sales pitch, is that Yamada, aka Present Mark, uh, has now. Uh, voiced his own commitments to become a teacher at UA. He He's not there right now, but he's coming in like the next semester or something like that. So she's hoping that that would be enough to sway Aizawa to join the staff as well.
0: And it's kind of funny because he's like, stop acting like
1: me and him are attached
0: at the hip. <laughs> like he's, he doesn't, at this point, he doesn't seem to necessarily consider President Mike to to be his, like, I don't want to say significant other, but like his, his uh you know co-teacher or anything like that. I mean they don't seem to be super close, but we know in the future that they're like best pals at the school.
1: I think that they are still at this point, but it's one of those where it's almost it's it's a strange dynamic, right? It's it's a very they're they're water and oil as far as personalities are concerned, Absolutely, but I do think yeah. that there's a real kind of Philadelphia brotherly love between them that um is fostered in some of these later chapters um in his It has grown and developed in some of these chapters that we get to see earlier. We're seeing uh, in these four episodes the beginning, I think, of this uh, Yamada slash Aizawa, uh, uh, you know, bromance, basically.
0: For sure. Well, pretty much, President Mike tells uh, Midnight that Aizawa's the kind of guy that can't take action without a good shove from behind. And Aizawa's like, well, tell him he's the kind of guy who meddles too much for his own good. And I just, I got a kick out of that. And, you know, she, she replies with, I, I agree though, that you've been shying away from what really matters. And, uh, he pretty much says, correction, both of you meddle too much for your own good. And uh, basically just hangs up on her. Yeah, he does. (laughs) He's done with it. He's like, I'm not teaching anybody.
1: And he is, uh, he hangs up and immediately his ears are greeted by a cacophony of sounds. And it looks like this strange dog man is chasing after Koichi, who has got a kitty cat in a box and is running behind what I presume is uh, a young girl in a red coat. I'm calling it a red coat because I think Absolutely. this is a Little Red Riding Hood um, kind of facsimile that we've got here.
0: For it, sure. I mean, this guy's a wolf yeah. chasing this little girl with like a... It looks like a lunchbox on her back.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this, this wolf is like crazy over the top. There's no development to him whatsoever. He's definitely just like a villain for a page. And so they're like, how can we make him as villainous as possible as quickly as possible? And so he's just running around saying the weak and helpless are my prey, including little kids and adorable kitty cats. And he's just like over the top villainous this whole time. It's time for some torment is what he says a little bit later on. Just so yeah. like, We get it, guy. You're bad.
0: This It reminds me of, there's a really famous Animal Man comic uh, that is basically got the uh, wolf and the, or it's not the wolf, it's the coyote and the roadrunner in it, uh, but they're in our world and he is drawn just like that coyote, except he's a wolf. (laughs) But it reminded me of that
1: Animal Man issue. Well, Koichi decides that he's going to be the hero here, so he kind of takes this box to pretend as if the cat's still in it and tries to draw the wolf's attention, but the girl trips, cat goes flying, but as I was on the scene, and somehow, I looked this up, like, the the scarf that he wears around his neck is a singular scarf, but over the course of this next page's panels, it looks like it has three ends instead of two, because he catches the cat, he catches the girl, and then he also wraps up the wolf's mouth. Maybe two of those things are done with the same strand? I don't know. Yeah, I,
0: I assumed it was that he caught the cat, and then he caught the girl with the same strand. Like caught the cap, swip pulled it in, caught the girl, schwip, pulled her in, and then grabbed the the wolf, you know, with a zabam.
1: Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the only possible explanation that makes some sense. But like on first glance, I was like, wait a minute, something doesn't add up here. Uh, well, and if you
0: look in that panel, he's actually left the wolf all tied up and he's walking away. So maybe the one that he got the wolf with is like an extra scarf that he can yeah uh, like dispose of you know? i didn't even
1: i didn't even notice that he's definitely still wearing his binding scarf around his mm-hmm. neck and there's the wolf has got one around his body and possibly a separate one around his face it's hard to tell that was his
0: uh hidden wrist scarf that you just don't yeah. see very often <laughs> it's true
1: <laughs> so koichi you know i was just like how in the world did you get yourself into this and koichi explains i mean it's basically on the tin there was a cat in a box in an alley with a girl and then this wolf man came out of nowhere um, so Eraser calls in that he's got a violent offender that needs processing and it begins to rain and we get a, a panel, which I, I somehow this this panel is very endearing to me. I really appreciated it. Just a panel of the two of them standing up under an eave standing out of the rain, just chilling, resting up against like a closed shop door.
0: It's really awesome. Like this is the kind of panel you put as your like, you know, background on one of your computers or something. And they yeah. both kind of look like they're really awkward, like they don't know what to talk about.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All the small talks out, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> And then there's this cat and Aizawa is like, what are you going to do with that? And Koichi's like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll take it home for now. And then there's like three panels of Aizawa given all of this cat raising information, like a giant uh, how to be a cat owner info dump. And it's very, very thorough. <laughs> I mean, he, it covers, is thorough. he turns into Bob Barker uh, and says that you need to go get this thing spayed and neutered. And he talks about pet visits and Uh, you know, vaccinations and all this kind of stuff, discipline, all this stuff. It's great. And he's like, they can live up to 20 years. Are you you ready to accept that responsibility? And Koichi's like, I don't know, maybe I'll keep it for a while. And Aizawa keeps pressing him like, you can't just take it home and then decide what you're going to do with it later. You need to put it back where you found it. And uh, he's just very, he's very interested and concerned about this cat. But Koichi notices that he's refused to look at it this whole time. I'm convinced that if he was to look at it, Aizawa would have to take it home. Oh, absolutely. And, but we find yeah. out that he is, he's, it, this cat in a box is reminding him. And this is where we transition from present time older Aizawa to in the past younger Aizawa standing in the rain. Uh, another parallel between these two scenes, staring down at a cat in a box.
0: Yeah. And he says, I'm not All Might. An ordinary person's only got so much power. I wasn't even close to being myself back then. I couldn't even save a single cat. And we get this picture of a cute little cat that's like stuck in the rain with a big, kitty cat eyes yeah But and I, he leaves he leaves his uh umbrella there with the cat to like keep it from getting wet which is really sweet of him but i'm surprised he didn't just take it
1: well this is early aizawa i think That's that fair. he he's really struggling uh with with what he's capable of doing and it kind of ties back to what he was saying to koichi at the end of uh, the previous page where he says if you're not prepared for the responsibility don't get involved with something in the first place so i'd imagine that maybe part of what's going through aizawa's young aizawa's head in the first panel is, am am I up for the responsibility of taking this cat home and having to care for it? And maybe he decides against that, but he does say, you know what? I can live without my umbrella, and maybe that's, maybe that's all that I can do for now. So he does what he can do, just kind of like Koichi does.
0: Well, we transition to a classroom where we see a teacher who is definitely a reference to Mr. Sinister from the X-Men. Uh, he's got like this little diamond band across his forehead and the sharp black hair and the whited out eyes, very sharp face. And uh, he's getting onto Aizawa because he's forgotten his umbrella, and he tells him like, "All right, you better dry off real quick." And Aizawa's just like, "Nah, that's okay. I'll just stay wet. It fits my mood." Yeah, Emozawa. Like em- Emozawa. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was the
1: that was the first thing that came to my mind when I read that. I was like, "Man, the Emozawa came out of nowhere."
0: Yeah, and this the teacher's kind of getting on to him too because he's just like railing on him, like, all right, well, whatever, have it your way. Don't come crying to me when your mood leaves you with a cold. And he talks about, you know, managing your health as being part of a really good hero. And Aizawa's like, hero. I can't picture any of this. Like, what am I doing here? I'm I'm powerless. And then it shows that he's in UA high school class 2A and he's currently 16. But the fact that he's like in the 2A the class, I mean, literally the second tiered class in U, UA at all, and he's talking about being powerless. It just seems so strange. I mean, this isn't the Aizawa we know.
1: Yeah, and this this goes back to, I think, what I really appreciate most about these chapters um, it, on first reading especially is that it's, it's a very different Aizawa. Like I said, they didn't just take the Aizawa as we know him. And slap him in the past, de-age him a little bit, put him in a school uni. Um, they, he's, we are going to see Aizawa develop in very real and significant ways over the course of um, these chapters a little, um, but I imagine much more over chapters yet to come. And I, I super love that approach. I think that it's very smart and it's dynamic. Like it doesn't get boring that way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Uh, then we're introduced to present Mike uh, at the age of 16, and he is just as awesome as I ever would have expected him to. Just super loud, super rambunctious. What a great character. I love this character so much.
1: Yeah, he says that Aizawa's is going through his gloomy Gus routine and is kind of ribbing him and punching him in the arm, and Aizawa's is telling him to shut up. And we have another voice come on to uh, one panel, but we don't see who it belongs to until the next, where somebody shouts in, Whoa there, Hisashi, which is... Uh, Present Mike's first name. He says, got your hands all over Shoto, do you? And you turn the page, at least in the production manga. And we are introduced to Oboro Shirakumo. Uh, and he is very, very heavily based on the Monkey King, a.k.a. Sun Wukong from Journey to the West, as is uh, Sun Goku uh, from Dragon Ball and the series that followed it.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a lot of fun. I really like this character a lot, uh, but he in, he just flies through like the third floor window, soaking wet on a cloud. And uh, the teacher also gets onto him and tells him, "You're know, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you can't use the third floor window to get in. You you you. What are you doing? We use the door, like all the normal people." And he's like, "Ah, my cloud quirk allows me to." And uh, you know, as the teacher's getting on to him, he's like, Yes, sir, I'll use the door. But you, we all know he's never going to use the door.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't tell the like his color, uh, his colors in the manga because obviously they're black and white. But on the back of volume eight, he's got um, very it's like light blue hair, it almost looks like Super Saiyan blue hair, um, but a little oh, really? wider towards the center. Yeah, he's got That's on a blue gi, um, and then okay. like a brown bomber's jacket that he wears. That's his hero costume, anyway. Like the I mean, his hair remains the same color, but I'm sure he's just wearing standard UA threads um, as he comes into the classroom and he's asking everybody for a towel and nobody really provides one to him. So he decides to take it upon himself to dry himself off the best way that he knows how, which is to strip down entirely to nothing in front of the entire class.
0: But not before he hands over his umbrella to Aizawa. And he asks him, like, Shota, is this yours? And, And he goes, well, yeah, that's mine. But he gets worried. You can see it on his face. He's like, was there anything under this? Because we know that he had recently left that umbrella to cover the kitty cat. And uh so the next scene is just this guy absolutely stripped naked and the whole classroom is freaking out like dude put your clothes back on what are you doing and he he uses this moment to you know show off his fabulous application of his quirk and he creates this little cloud around his nether regions so nobody can see him naked and yeah. then it's great cuz he's like and inside this cloud is this charming little creature and it looks like he's about to do something maybe a little nefarious but instead he just pulls out a kitty
1: and that's not a euphemism. It actually is the little kitty cat that Izawa <laughs> left in a box. Two things about these. this scene. Number one, I don't know what any of my friends' uh, umbrellas look like well enough to see them on the street and be like, oh, that's so-and-so's umbrella, duh. Uh, so... Uh, I don't, maybe Aizawa's name was engraved on it. I don't know. Or or Oboro's just a much better friend than I am. Maybe. <laughs> uh, and then second, I really like what he says here. He says, the fabulous, fabulous application of my quirk creates an aesthetic that's censored just enough because that is totally like the anime way of censoring things. We've seen it in My Hero in like the, the hot baths where it's just like little clouds of steam covering up just enough of the girl's chests or whatever when they're standing mm. up out of the water. Um, and it reminded me of uh, the Naruto sexy jutsu that he does on like Jiraiya <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Where it's like it's it looks like Sailor Moon, but it just has clouds covering up, uh, you know, all the all the 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 bits that you would want to censor in a in a age appropriate manga. So that that right there use of his quirk, I thought, was absolutely genius and very uh, is very self-referential and self-aware. So I, I super liked that joke.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot too. You know, it's interesting that you said that uh, his hair is blue because the entire time I read this, I actually imagined it as being red. Only because I I think it's the sixth generation, maybe, but there's a Pokemon that is like one of the main three in a generation that's ultimate, like the last evolution is a monkey. It's a fighting monkey. Yeah, yeah. And and it just reminded me of that evolution. And so I just imagined him being red, but I like that it's
1: blue. That makes it really cool. It's like Infernape. I don't know if that's the last evolution, but.
0: Yeah, I don't know its name. I didn't play that generation. I just know I've seen it in games, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, the teacher decides that they're going to take role. And while they're doing that, we get a little bit of like voiceover from Aizawa again, where he's just like, you know, I wasn't even close to being myself yet. uh, And as I saw it, it wasn't clear that I ever would be. Uh, And my favorite part about this particular piece, as it, uh, I think it pretty much is is winding down the end of this chapter, is it gets to Yamada and he's just like, yeah, just like screams (laughs) and uh, sushi or the cat that uh, so, so. That will be called Sushi shortly. Uh, he is sleeping in one panel and Yamada yells in the next one and he, his eyes fire open and it startles the cat. It's just, a, it was a funny touch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is funny. I just caught that the cat was actually sleeping on a little cloud made here by uh Shirakumo.
1: Yeah. A little cloud. I bet, I bet he makes the best beds, best little kitty cat beds. Probably. Although what happens if it uh, does the thing that cats do and just claws it, you know, as they kind of fluff. Can you fluff a cloud? I'm not sure. He just falls through. Yeah. Sushi will figure (laughs) that out. But that ends episode 59 and brings us into episode 60, which is called Taking in a Stray. Ooh, mine's named Work Study. Mm. I like yours better, though. Mine mine fell
0: flat on that one hard. Yeah, this one's definitely better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, well, we start right back off with uh, Mr. Sinister here, pretty much just talking about you know what we know about work studies. I mean, he's talking about that most second-year students do some sort of work study during their summer vacations, and they're going to try to apprentice with some pro agency. However, everyone in his class has got one except for three students, Aizawa, Present Mike, and Shirakumo, who we've just been introduced to. Uh, just so you guys know, his name is Loud Cloud. That's his, uh, his pro hero name. Correct. Well, I guess he's not a pro yet, but... We'll probably, or at least I will probably refer to him as Loud Cloud at some point.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, he says that you guys need to uh, get on this, this, uh, so this summer internship train, y'all need to get on this because that'll help you find agencies later on because it provides field experience um, and knowledge and training and quirk refinement and application and all that kind of stuff. And transitions from that into some of the practical exercises that they're going to participate in as members of uh, UA's Hero Class. He says that they're going to do some joint practical exercises with Class B. Uh, and, you know, he's like, you know, if you know what your strengths are, work on those or work on your weaknesses and improve them. Do what you got to do to get better. And the first, you get like a two-page spread that basically covers the three kinds of training that the students set themselves at this particular time. The first one is one-on-one battles. Uh, The second one is rescue training. And then the third is entertainer lessons because heroes have to, they'll be on the proverbial stage representing multiple facets of society. Uh, And one of the teachers, one of, yeah, each Each one of these kind of training sessions is led by one of the three teachers that we see in these pages, but I checked online, couldn't find a name for any one of them. So you have a guy uh, that we've already met a couple of times, the Mr. Sinister homeroom teacher dude. Then you have a guy who is like either a a diver or a a jet pilot, kind of modeled after
0: he looks like smoke from Mortal Kombat.
1: Yeah, I, I started thinking something a little bit more nautical because it, he's kind of in charge of the hero rescue training part, and it looks okay. to be taking place over water. There's a boat in the background. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, poor Aizawa, man, uh, he is already struggling with what his role is as a hero. And you see in this panel, like, there are all these heroes who are multiple uh, who are rescuing multiple people, and he's just got one guy slung over his arms. But the bigger question here is how is he walking on water?
0: <laughs> I hadn't noticed that, actually. Yep, You're totally right, is. it does look like he's walking on water, but I wonder if there's someone else's quirk that's creating land, because what he's walking on doesn't look to be as wavy as what's in front of him.
1: Yeah, no, it's just a... It was an odd... Yeah. It just looks funny to me. Did you notice...
0: Right in the first panel where it shows kind of like all of the different heroes that are going to be training, it's the main characters are obviously Aizawa, present Mike and Shikamaru, but there's a guy that looks like Hound Dog is what I think his name was.
1: The guy in the bottom right panel?
0: Yeah. It's like a, he looks like he's got like a, like a dog kind of face. Like, I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, that's him in the past.
1: I don't think so, but I mean, I definitely see what he looks kind of like if Hound Dog were wearing some of the, uh, Wild, wild pussycats costumes. Kind of oh, looks yeah, a little Yeah, you're totally bit like right. Then they have like a dark elf and somebody that looks like they came out of the second Hellboy movie in the bottom left or one of the yeah. Hellboys, uh, the Abram guy.
0: Abe's in both. Yeah. He also yeah. kind of looks like Groot a little bit. A little bit. Uh, you know, and I was going to say in present Mike's costume in this, he's got these weird like sirens on his hands and I hate it. I don't know what it <laughs> is, but I, I don't remember. Him having those in the production, like manga or in the TV show, it's I don't early. like this costume. It looks so silly, though. His
1: costume is still being developed, man. They look like fire alarms. Like they they, <laughs> no, they look like bullhorns. Is what they oh, kind of yeah. look like. Yeah,
0: they kind of do look like bullhorns. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's early, man. He's 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 still figuring out, you know, how best to utilize and leverage his quirk, and so you know, power loader or the way back when equivalent of power loader. This is their first idea.
0: That's fair. Well, we get this weird panel here that I thought, at least I thought it was kind of strange, but they're, the teachers are talking amongst themselves about Aizawa and how he is failing behind everybody else. Like he, he has good grades and everything is relatively okay, but because of his quirk, they just don't know what they're going to do with him. And it seems weird to me. I mean, he's in two A. That's a pretty, like why, if, if they don't feel like his quirk is worth much, why is he in two A? You know what I mean? I figured he'd be in class B or something, but they're talking about it. Like his quirk is just worthless. And then we get a battle scene between him and and another, you know, student named Sinzoji is who we we find out later. And this guy just like kicks the crap out of him and literally just tells him, you suck. The same goes for your crappy erasure or whatever it's called. Like no one has given this guy the time of day. And it just surprises me. I mean, his quirk is literally that it can erase other quirks for a period of time. I mean, at this point, he's not wearing his goggles. So maybe it's not as long as it is in a couple of chapters but it just seems weird to me that they think that it's kind of a subpar quirk and he's still in 2a you know what i mean
1: yeah this had me wondering how it was that aizawa passed the entrance exam in ua assuming that the entrance exam back then was the same as it is now because he can't he wasn't able to run around and cancel robot quirks right
0: right and i mean we've talked about like how in the world is minetta in 1a and they're treating aizawa almost like we've treated minetta in the past really
1: I would think more like Ojiro. <laughs> okay, like we, yeah. We, we throw some pretty hard shade at Ojiro uh, because He
0: has a big tail. He doesn't have... I mean,
1: like. That's true. But he's, <laughs> he's good at the fighty parts. Um, I guess. The The other thing that I had, I kind of took a little bit of issue with was the, the Mr. Sinister-looking dude says, because of the quirk he was born with... And I was like, that's a weird way to word that it's either redundant or it's wrong because they, it makes it sound like he could have had another one possibly that he like could have gotten later yeah. or every cork is one that people were born with. So I don't know. I just took issue with the way that that was worded.
0: I assumed it was a weird translation of mine. So I'm glad to hear you say that it was identical in yours. Cause I thought the same thing. I was like, aren't. Like, isn't everybody born with their quirk? I guess yeah. not everybody. Midoriya didn't get his quirk when he was born, right? Right. But the wo- the wording is there as if Aizawa has had multiple quirks.
1: Yep. And then this, uh, this Sensoji guy is basically verbally berating Aizawa because he's like, you're able to cancel my quirk, which means that I can't use mine, which is annoying and lame and boring. He calls it a snooze fest because once you cancel my quirk, I still just beat the crap out of you because you lose in the fist fight portion of this. So he he's basically just like, you know, you know, you, you can't cut it in a real fight. And the teacher intervenes, Mr. Sinister. And I mean, the student isn't wrong at this point. I mean, he's pointing out Aizawa's weakness, the thing that he needs, that he has a growing edge for. And Aizawa realizes it too, but he doesn't treat it um, as motivationally as like Midoriya does, as we've seen Midoriya do when somebody points out a weakness or a flaw or an inability of his a growing edge for Midoriya. He treats that as fuel on a fire. Aizawa takes this as water on a fire. And, uh, yeah. and that fire was already like pittering out already. He was very down on himself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he says like, all my erasure can do is trip people up a little. I can't do anything on my own and I'm definitely not putting smiles on people's faces. It's, and it's just so strange. I mean, this is just such a, in contrast to the Aizawa that we know who talks so highly of his quirk, like he can do anything. I mean, when Midoriya questions him at the uh, the USJ fight, I was like, are you kidding, kid? I got this, you know, and so it's it's just so crazy to see those two differences.
1: Yeah. And he he says, too, at the USJ that a hero can't be a one trick pony. And I right. think that that's what he hasn't realized yet is he's he, everybody else seems to be coasting on their quirk. As almost like that, that was, that's their thing, their one thing. And as I was like, mine doesn't do that. It doesn't have that kind of application right now. And so he's, he's struggling with what his other tricks are going to be. And he's yet to discover them. And he doesn't even really discover much uh, much else. He refines a little bit uh, his quirks application over the course of these episodes. Um, but we don't see any new tricks outside of you know, him being better able or more, more consistently able to apply his quirk.
0: Right. Well, all three of our newly uh, followed, I'm not going to call them vigilantes, I guess heroes, tra- heroes in training are up on the roof, eating their lunches. And Loud Cloud is telling Aizawa like, well, you know, if your quirk trips people up, then why not trip up villains? And it's funny because President Mike is just like shoving his face with a hot dog, probably like barely even speaking English, I would assume. And he's like, ah, go on the battle route. I have a hard time picturing that. Uh, I mean, present Mike is just so oblivious to how and what he says can affect others, you know?
1: Yeah, and Aizawa's wrestling with that until he notices that uh, Oboro is feeding sushi out of a, like a bento box to who is going to be later called sushi. We're just going to call him sushi now uh, because he gets named here shortly. But anyway... This is this leads to maybe the strangest panel of this entire series of four episodes, because I was always like, you can't feed human food to a cat. That's bad for him. So he just says, good thing I had the sense to keep some cat milk here. Like, is it <laughs> is it actually like milk from the nipples of a cat or is it just milk that he is designated to be consumed by a cat? I'm very confused, concerned and curious about the way that that is phrased.
0: Maybe it's like cat formula.
1: <laughs> like it was powdered cat milk yeah <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but he's got it on him like i guess inside of his ua uniform <laughs> well and
0: it seems like we can infer that for a, a while now uh, shikamaru has been bringing this cat to his school even though he's not supposed to be and instead of him really taking care of it Aizawa's taking care of it and at one point in time they ask him like well, what, where is he doing his business while you guys are at school? And there's a panel of the cat literally just peeing on Loud Cloud, like just right on his uniform. Okay. And he's just laughing going, ha gross, man. Has
1: anybody <laughs> ever had or seen a cat pee on another human being? Because I have not. I've seen dogs do it plenty. Never once have I seen a cat urinate on a human, ever. I
0: guess I haven't either. I've never really thought about it, but no, I guess you're right.
1: I was like, what? That's the first time i ever seen a cat pee on somebody, but there it is. Uh, their, their little lunch and discussions about the kitty cat are interrupted by a shadowy or at least a uh, an overcast figure sitting up on the roof um, who is, as we come to know her, is going to be the hero Midnight. Um, they just refer to her as Kayama in these panels right here, but she does have her hero name uh, about a page later, and she is all exuberant and excited, as she usually is, about the violation is what she calls it of the students being in a place that they're not supposed to be on the roof. And so she's like, this is what youth is all about. I love it. And uh, she explains that she's a third year. So she's a year older than them. And uh, she drops down on the roof because she was going to come and take care of some paperwork. And this is where we're going to start talking about her costume.
0: Yeah. It's hard not to, because she's not really wearing one. I mean, she has like a trench coat on and like a belt and some Molly patches over her breast. And that's it. (laughs) And
1: <laughs> yep. it's like a cu- the, the, her little her Molly styled pouches hang perfectly over her nipples and they are attached to her neck by what look like belts. And then she's got a really wide like web belt, like an old army style web belt that I think obscures actually her, like her nude bottom half. I don't think she's wearing panties. That's the impression that I got anyway.
0: I think that's the impression they got too. In fact, this is midnight birthday suit style.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love the boys' different reactions to it too, because (laughs) I was like, this is some high tech material that's too invisible to idiots. And, uh, you know, President Mike has given him a hard time about that, but, Oboro is just like, hooray for being an idiot.
0: Yeah, He's like <laughs> he, immediately in love with her. <laughs> yes.
1: He eats all of this up and he continues for like the next couple pages. And she's explaining how it's bold and practical that she needed to, you know, a costume that would allow her to use her quirk effectively and also move. And uh, so she calls it functional beauty and she doesn't feel ashamed about it at all. And as I was like, well, maybe you should. And Oboro again butts in and he's like, nobody asked for your opinion. You shut up. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is loving every second of half naked, midnight. I
0: mean, why would you not, right? Like it's a bunch of high school boys with a high school chick. It totally makes sense.
1: And she's youthful and and dear-eyed about the future of hero costumes that she's blazing this trail where everybody's going to be thinking differently about skin exposure in the years to come. And then there's like a little panel where it's set back in the future. And it's like one year later, the government put forward the Hero Costume Skin Exposure Limitation Act that changed the, uh, the, the law changed faster than people's thinking did, which I thought was a really funny callback. So we finally get to see the costume that that brought about that law yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and it is it is every bit as inappropriate and goofy and over the top as we had expected it to be maybe even a little bit more so i don't think i thought that she was going to be like practically fully nude maybe wearing something more similar to a like like a a mini bikini or something
0: yeah i'm surprised that there's not some sort of i mean obviously it's a it's a show it's an anime it's a manga but like i'm surprised there's not some sort of weird and decent exposure thing happening here i mean obviously they put in a law for this but you know you've got a 16 17 year old running around with no clothes on with other adults around you'd figure there might be an issue
1: right right well she falls in love with the cat wants to hold it and as soon as she does she's she's in the middle of telling them you can't have a cat here but as soon as she puts her hand on sushi she's like oh so fluffy and she goes into like baby voice talking about this cat uh and she asks what its name is nobody's able to provide an answer to her so she asks what everybody's favorite food is and sushi it fried chicken and nothing really are the three uh, options given so she's like okay um this is this cat's name is now sushi and she goes on a little bit of a diatribe about how you know she can't keep it because cat, uh, women have a harder time getting married if they're single and also a cat owner but right after she says that she runs off with sushi anyway uh, she says yeah. i can't keep him for too long but she definitely intends to keep him for now and <laughs> Because of the panels that opened up uh, uh, Chapter 59, we know that she continues to house Sushi.
0: Oh, Yep. And it's funny, too, because uh,
1: Shikamaru's got this little, like... You keep saying Shikamaru, it's Shirakumo. Shirakumo? Oh, my God. uh, Shikamaru is Naruto.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to call him Loud Cloud. Loud Cloud has got this bubble thought that just says she's going to keep him. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I've gotten his name wrong this whole time, and it took you that long to correct me.
1: I let it go once or twice. And then, uh, this time I was like, I'm, I'm just going to interject
0: Shirakumo, I'm going to just call him loud cloud. That's what his name is for me until he's dead, which I feel like won't be too much longer.
1: (laughs) And the next page, uh, takes us to the next day. We find out that President Mike has gotten accepted by an agency and is going to work for like a brawler agency, like a battle oriented one, uh, to possibly increase again, some skills beyond, uh, his, his initial quirk. And, uh, Midnight comes back onto the scene and begins showing cat pics to Aizawa. And this becomes like a running gag for the rest of these episodes where these are the things that Aizawa now lives for is now, even though he's not in possession of sushi, he loves being shown sushi. But this first video is just of sushi taking a poo, presumably where he's supposed to poo and not on like a human.
0: Right. And both the guys are like throwing up. They're like, do you mind? We're eating.
1: It's great, though. That brings us to the end of episode 60. It takes us into 61, which is called Two as One in the production manga.
0: Let's see. Mine is actually named Combo. Uh,
1: that's, that's good. I mean, that's, they're, they're the same.
0: They're about the that's, same. They're
1: okay. Yeah, translation issue at best. Sure. And we get introduced to My Hero Academia Vigilante's version of Majin Buu here yeah. uh, pretty much immediately
0: that's exactly what I had in my notes too uh, it's basically this guy that is robbing uh, some sort of financial industry it looks like it may be a bank uh, it's named Nico Nico Finance from what I can tell uh, in my translation here and he's kind of upset because the cops are already showing up that's too quick and he asked them you know which one of you punks called this in and as he says that midnight crashes through and probably one of the most revealing scenes I've ever witnessed <laughs> in a manga uh, sh- she should be shredded I mean like she's crashing through a window with no clothes on There's there's no reason that she shouldn't be bleeding everywhere. However, she's there. She's taking down this Majin Buu character. At least she's going to try to. Uh, And she is Team Purple Revolution because uh, right behind her is Loud Cloud. And he comes in on his little cloud. Just like his teacher said that flying through the third nev- or third window would never help. But here he is flying through the sure top window. I'm pretty sure this is ground
1: floor window, but I get your you point. You think so? Oh, I think well. so. Oh, well, I don't know. That little sign um, that says Nico Nico Finance says 3F. I wonder if 3F. that means third floor.
0: That's exactly why I, I thought that. Like, you know, he's flying in through the third floor, just like his teacher said he never would be able yeah,
1: to. that makes some sense. That's a good catch. Yeah. Boom. Well, this guy throws down a smoke screen and is making off with, the, with, a, with a, a safe. Which and is the
0: tiniest safe ever for a bank. It is for a bank. <laughs> tiny.
1: It's, it was up under some broker's desk. That's it. It's somebody's personal safe. It's got to be. Got to be. Yeah. Um, initially... Uh, Loud Cloud is gonna, is in hot pursuit, but Midnight tells them that they need to hang back and make sure that this cloud isn't toxic and get these people outside of the building. So they leave Majin Buu to Head, and uh, he r- manages to wrap up one of his arms with uh, his little his scarf, but when he goes to cancel his, his, the Majin Buu's quirk, he gets blasted in the face with smoke, which is irritating to his eyes, uh, which means that he has to close them and break his quirk canceling And when he opens them back up, the safe is on its way to his face.
0: Yeah, he's about to get smacked in the face with a safe. And then out of nowhere, Prince comes in to save the day.
1: He does. And he does it in the st- this whole... This whole character is hilarious. He's Um, out of this world. (laughs) His, I mean, it is 100% and unashamedly modeled after the artist formerly known as Prince. And he dashes in between Aizawa and just kicks the safe straight up into the air. And it goes flying. Yeah. So somehow his quirk uh, enables him to be strong. And what's funny is his quirk, according to the Wikipedia that we look at, is just called chest hair. That's what it's called. Oh,
0: seriously? That makes sense because he's like revealing his chest hair in the scene.
1: And the description of it, the official description that I found on this website was not much is known except that it boosts his manly traits. (laughs) That's all we get.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Well, his name is His Purple Highness, and I guess he is the uh, owner and operator of the Purple Revolution Agency. Uh, so he drops down. Uh, he's able to save the day, kind of. I mean, the, the villain gets away, uh, but he ends up praising Midnight and Loud Cloud. He says, you know, you guys did great. Like, it, and ultimately, you had to choose between the people that were we were saving or getting the villain. And in this case, you chose those people and you made sure that they were safe. And that's absolutely what a hero should do. You guys did amazing. Uh, he says, "Putting aside the victory to prioritize the lives of innocents makes you as true a hero as there ever was." And he says, "You too, Loud Cloud. You're always ready to make the next move without hesitation. Quick judgments, a virtue, no doubt." But then immediately he's like, "Erase her head, boy. You
1: bad." <laughs> this is great. So. As we go forward with this particular character, I did some Prince research. I've never been a personal uh, fan of Prince. I know some people that are massive uh, Prince and the Revolution fans, uh, but I was never one. And But I, I spent some time just looking up a couple fun things about him. The first thing I found out is that this character, uh, the the leader of this particular, the, his Purple Highness or whatever his official name is, shares a birthday with the actual artist formerly known as Prince. Uh, they canonically have the same birthday. Uh, and then I looked up some song titles that are attributable to Prince and tried to place them within the the n- the narrative as we go. So there are two that come up right here. First one is that Prince has a a song called Clouds, which I think is appropriate because oh wow that's now cool yeah. oboro Shik- uh Shirakuma worked for him, and then the second one is he's got one that's called You Got the Look, and I'm interposing that right here into this scene because he's explicitly telling Aizawa, you ain't got the look.
0: Uh, Yeah, you're right. He
1: initially tells – Azawa thinks that he's in trouble for reacting too slowly, letting the villain move first, letting him get away. But uh, his Purple Highness says, no, I'm talking about that gloomy face, son. (laughs) You do not have the look of a hero. He's like, you got to smile, dude. And there's this panel that gives him nipple glare, nipple lens flare. It's perfectly placed that he has, <laughs> it is his nipple that is producing the like Michael Bay, uh, Michael Michael Bay lens flare in the middle of this panel, and it is so funny. It's the the hilarity of this panel is amplified because of the way that he's cupping that particular peck of his,
0: like he's gonna pinch his nipple or something. Yeah, like
1: he's gonna squeeze it and something's yeah. gonna come shooting out. Maybe he is. Maybe the I'm, maybe the Michael Bay uh, lens flare is what's come what comes out of Princess' nipple when he squeezes them. I have no idea.
0: Man, I'm telling you that there is no way this guy is not related to the Sparkling Hero.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this character is so goofy, and he's drawn very differently, like artistically speaking. In a lot of these panels, he's very. Very, like fuzzy looking. It's like he's um, it's hard to describe. You just have to see it for yourself. But he's he's definitely got a, a very unique aesthetic to him. And uh, th- that panel of him just squeezing his boobie and uh, Michael Bay lens flare coming out of the nipple had me laughing so hard when I was reading this for the first time.
0: Absolutely. But he tells Aizawa that he's got to trust in his own power and smile. Uh, he wants Aizawa to smile. That's what he says. He says, You wear your stress on your sleeve. You've got to be able to keep the people you're trying to save from stressing out. So you're not helping yourself here. You've got to be happy, smile, cheerful. So we transition to a scene with Aizawa in the shower room, and he's talking to Loud Cloud, and he's like, Really? Does he expect me to smile after letting the villain escape? And loud cloud tries to explain like, nah, the point's more like keep calm, carry on and don't freeze up. Like just be chill, you know, just, just save people.
1: Yeah. He's, as I was explaining that, I never smile like usual. Like he, he just is very stoic except now, uh, Kayama is midnight is sending him all these pictures of sushi and it must force a smile onto his face. There's a panel where we don't see his face. Uh, we just see an ellipses in a, in a thought bubble, next to Aizawa's face as his thumb is scrolling through all these pictures or videos, but uh, we see Loud Cloud burst back into the panel, and he's saying, there you go, Shoto, you got the look, a nice big smile. So these cat pictures are, are tapping into uh, Aizawa's happy place. He tries to deny it, but it must be true.
0: You know, I'm wondering if there's a bit of a double entendre happening here with kitty pics from Midnight. <laughs> I, like, it's just something I had in my notes. I was like, I wonder if that's what they were going for. Oh, or if, Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did
1: not make that connection. That is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is bad. It I mean, bad. she's not wearing panties. <laughs> exactly. We, we we've we've established this much. Geez, you just you just turned things up to eleven uh, yeah. in this in this particular series of episodes. How oh, dare you? Sorry. Um, <laughs> 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 so we, we we go forward uh, four more days, and Machinbu is on the loose again. And he's robbed another bank. And this time, Aizawa is prepared for him. Uh, As he goes to get blasted in the face, he emerges from the smoke that had previously been obstructing his vision or at least causing him to close his eyes from irritation. Uh, And he's wearing something that looks similar to the goggles that we know uh, he adopts uh, later on. Um, But these are more uh, like glass faced instead of the, the ones that have the slits in them and uh, interspersed between him breaking through this smoke and, and uh, coming up against Majin Bu again, or at least working on uh, distracting him so that he can be taken down. Uh, We have this conversation that takes place between him and Shirakumo about the problem with his eyes. And he says, you know what, why don't you just take my goggles, man, just use my goggles and they'll protect your eyes and you'll be able to walk, through whatever you need. And so we see that in action. Uh, Aizawa, uh, comes up on Majin Buu through the smoke and manages to uh, turn off this guy's quirk long enough for uh, Shikabar... Uh, sh- sh- see, now you've got me got doing you, it. Shiro Shiro to, Kumo, <laughs> uh, to come down and just whack him on the head with his bow staff, uh, the, which is not, you know, the... Um, shoot, what's the name of that pole in, uh, in Dragon Ball? Oh, the, the Power, power pole. pole. It's just called yeah. the Power Pole, I think. Power Pole, no, yeah. I thought it had a it.
0: legit name, but I guess not.
1: It might, but he, he whacks Majin Buu on the head, manages to incapacitate him. And uh, that seems to be a winning combination. They even get uh, praise from Prince.
0: Yeah, fabulous work, you two. A winning combination.
1: But they still have a million miles to go be- because of their stone uh, stone stiff smiles. And I think he's a- he says smiles, but I think he's still just talking to Aizawa because Oboro is wearing... He's rocking a great smile. He's he's very high charisma. Yes, and I love Aiz- this character. He may be one of my favorite <laughs> new additions. Yeah, but Aizawa is trying to smile, but it looks scary uh, it's like it does. it looks weird... like he's
0: maybe gotta go to the bathroom and like needs to scuttle off or something you know
1: yeah that's that's what i think is being chastised and it's it's glorious <laughs> that is the end of episode 61 which brings us to our last episode of this ep this episode of ours uh called glass sky in the production manga oh uh, mine's named beyond the glass uh i like that better glass sky mm. seems silly to me but
0: they're about the same really uh, but we find out that it is a new semester, so I guess you they are third years now, and more than likely Midnight is probably a fourth year, and it's awesome because right off the bat, we got present Mike that's like, yo, 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 what's up, Izawa? Those goggles look the same as Oboro's, yo! And you can <laughs> tell he's kind of uh, developed his style a little bit.
1: Yeah, he definitely has found his voice, to say yeah. the least. yeah.
0: And uh, they explain that they are marketing themselves as a team. Like, they both are now wearing the goggles. So, Oboro and also Aizawa are wearing the goggles. And Aizawa's like, no, 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 you said these were to protect my eyes for my corks' sake. (laughs) Like, he doesn't want to be associated with him in that way, you know?
1: Yep, and then uh, Sensoji takes issue with this because he thinks they're just being big old copycats, even though he very clearly is too. He tries to explain that not only are they stealing his idea that his idea ends up being stolen from Present Mike because he says that his quirk is kind of like Bakugo's. He can produce explosions from his hands somehow. Um, So he says, my quirk blast is all about flashy rapid firing, but I got a little problem with accurate aiming because those flashes cause me to squint, basically. Um, He has a hard time seeing through his own blast. So he adopts sunglasses, which he steals from Present Mike, but then he accuses Aizawa and Obero of stealing from him so really they're all stealing from present mike i think is the end of this discussion
0: well and i mean O'Boro's or loud cloud was already wearing goggles in the very first panel we saw him in so i, I don't know i i thought that was kind of weird but as always seems to take issue with this he's like oh man i'm on this guy's level really
1: yeah <laughs> he's so upset but he knows that uh this guy this what's his name since soji he he's just out to pick a fight which is Pretty good timing, I think, because the Mr. Sinister-looking teacher is just like, hey, we're going to do two-on-two battle training, and Obero has the idea that they should do their best to pair up students that are working together uh, in the internships, which I think is a fantastic idea.
0: Yeah, but President Mike doesn't like it too much. He's like, "Uh, I'm feeling like a change of pace today, and Mr. Sinister is like, well, too bad, your pace doesn't concern me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's just upset because he's paired with Sinsoji. They ended up at the same uh, internship place, so... If they take Obero's idea seriously, then he gets paired with this guy who he doesn't have a whole lot of respect for. But they seem to work really well together because the teacher even points out that they might grumble, but they make for a standout combo. He says yeah. both Sensoji's blast and Yamato's voice are flashy quirks with a ton of stopping power. They could just shut down most villains by firing off those moves over and over again. And he compares them, kind of their AOE brute force attack style uh in contrast that between Aiza- uh, Izawa and oburo who he says are more technical and nuanced and in uh, perf- a little they're more finesse characters
0: they even really kind of nailed home the like goku feel to loud cloud in the scene because if you notice on his back behind the power pole it looks yep. like maybe there could be somewhat of the uh the, what is it the kame the kame-san or the turtle Son or whatever it's named
1: yeah I mean it, it changes throughout the series, but yeah, just uh, the the sign or the kanji that represents which school they were training with or who right. they were training under right. I like that and, detail too, and he's just running around on Nimbus i mean that's that's what he's doing
0: exactly, yeah. So they decide that what they're going to do is they're going to have a fight between Aizawa and Present Mike and Sinsoji and Loud Cloud, and whoever wins has to, or sorry, whoever loses has to give up the rights to their goggles, basically. And it's funny because Present Mike is like, but I've always worn these. Why me? You know? And uh, so they decide to accept it. They get in on it. But immediately, right off the bat, Sinsoji is like, stand back, Yamada. I'm enough for these two clowns. And uh, he regrets that decision very quickly.
1: Yeah, so he tries to blast initially, but uh, Shirakumo ends up flying up and out of the area of the blasts, and then he swoops down on Sensoji and blinds him, or at least obscures his vision, uh, with a cloud just directly over his face. It's, I guess, one of his super moves because it's in bold cloud cover. Uh, and in that short period of time, he does manage to uh, create an opening for Aizawa to come in close and shut down Uh, shut down his quirk so he goes to blast again but all that comes out is a little puff and so a couple things here and I noticed this earlier too so number one in this scene it looks like Aizawa doesn't have eye contact initially because he's coming from behind which is strange even though he's still able to cancel out the quirk and the second thing that I noticed and I think this happened somewhere earlier too and I forgot to point it out but Aizawa has used his quirk somewhere else in this panel and his hair didn't stand up. It's still like down in front of his face. Yeah. So, I've
0: noticed that in general, it's like whenever he was going up against Majin Bu, it doesn't seem like his hair reacts as much earlier in his life than it does in the, you know, manga proper.
1: Yeah. So anyway, he, he does still manage to shut this man's quirk down. And that again, opens up Obero to come down with the power pole and cracks this guy on his head, smashes his glasses onto the ground. Uh, and, Aizawa ends up picking them up and the, the guy wants to stand back up and keep fighting, but Aizawa's just like, two on one isn't a fair fight to start with, so this wager's off. But that wasn't, Aizawa didn't arrange for two versus one. That Sensoji did. I mean, that's Absolutely. his call.
0: Yeah, that was totally his call. And yeah, it, they he, fought on his terms. I think he was kind of like poking at him. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know, you thought you could take both of us on. Clearly this isn't a fair fight. Like you didn't know what you were getting into. You know, it, compared to Sensoji maybe what the last semester when he was able to kick the crap out of Izawa?
1: Yeah, just a few days ago apparently. I mean, the we've only ha- we've only glossed over a handful of days since he was talking that trash to Aizawa well, in the one-on-one battles.
0: I think that was a whole semester cuz the semester's passed. Cuz they oh. did their summer internship.
1: I think this is during. I is don't know. Is it
0: during? Okay, well, I yeah, think so. it doesn't matter too much. <laughs> uh but it's funny because <laughs> since is just like, "Nah, those those glasses are stupid anyway and crushes him on the ground with his feet." And, he's, and so then he claims, whiny. no, so I lose.
1: Oh, he definitely, I mean, he lost. He lost no. handily. Absolutely. On his own terms. Uh, and the teacher, again, is running after Sensoji, trying to get him to, he's like, well, that's, you know, you missed the entire point of this exercise, which he's correct. He, he emphasized that it was a team battle, and he rushed in all solo-like and got his butt whooped and is surprised for some reason. He, right. he was just overconfident and underestimated uh, the, the two, his two opponents, and he paid for it.
0: Yeah, and the teacher's like, hey, uh, keep it up, you two. You played off each other's technical quirks really well. And uh, Cloud Cloud is like, I think that was a compliment, which, I mean, I definitely thought it was. I don't know why he would have taken it any other way.
1: I liked this, too, that in the next panels, we have present Mike, and he's holding up to his end of the deal that he didn't even strike. That involved him losing his shades, and uh, so he's like, you know, I I lost my shades, so now... I'm going to start wearing goggles like you guys. And so now they're, they're a trio of goggle wearers instead of a duo.
0: Yeah. And this is really funny too, because they start talking about how they're going to make their own uh, agency. And it's great because uh, he's like you know the th- the three of us should start our- well loud cloud is like the three of us should start our own agency like that's my plan anyways and I was always like yeah I don't know and he says I think we work well together take you for example Shota you're not the type to get the action started on your own but you're great at sweating the small stuff you'll add a layer of polish to everything we do and then whenever midnight shows up he immediately switches suit and is just like no nah, we're gonna be a team of four we got to have her
1: <laughs> yeah they can Izawa feels like he's being picked on and under he still feels like he's he, he doesn't he can't do well on his own he, he still is kind of there's no wind in the sails because he points out that you know while they are correct about his strengths they also are very obvious and blatant i mean they aren't really trying to hide the fact that he's not much on his own so he's like they say that you're a racer quirk it lacks finishing power but once you do once you do your thing once you zap them with your quirk We'll take care of the rest. Um, so we raise the curtain and we close the curtain and you just take care of the middle bit. Um, and Aizawa takes this kind of personally. He's like, you know, me not being able to get the action started, lacking in finishing power. Isn't that just another way of saying I can't do anything on my own? And uh, Oboro tries to smooth things over by saying it just means that you're more suited for teamwork, which I thought was an interesting line given how solo we know. Aizawa tends to be like he, he Mm -hmm. works on his own. I mean, he can function on a team. We've seen him be parts of large groups of heroes, like storming the Shia compound and all that kind of stuff. But typically he works on his own.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because he, they end up kind of switching it around. They say what you mentioned, we'll raise and close the curtain on stuff and you just handle everything else. And he's like, well, when you put it that way, it sounds like I'm doing almost all of the work. (laughs) And then he says, besides, I never agreed to this team up with you two. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? You got something against us? And this is where Midnight shows up. She's loving the flavor of youth. And they're like, oh, it's, uh, it's Kayama. Haya," You know, and of course, they're all fanning over her, except for Aizawa.
1: Yeah, he has no interest in her until she... Produces her phone and asks if he want to see cat uh, see more cat pics, and then there's a zoop sound effect and a little swoosh around his forehead as if he whipped his head around really fast. Which now is about these cat pics,
0: which is now really weird when you think about it. After my last comment about the cat pics,
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, you're the worst. And uh, they invite her to be a part of this budding they idea of their it's hero all- agency.
0: It's all loud cloud. He's yeah, like, "Hey, yeah, we're gonna true. have an agency. You gotta come." <laughs> yeah, because there is a
1: pic- there is a scene where he's saying that, and you have uh, both President Mike and Aizawa in the background saying, "Up to four from three. Like, we didn't agree on that. Can we take a vote, or do we get one?"
0: Right. But she has other plans.
1: Yeah, she. Yeah, she. She says, "Sorry, but once I go independent, I plan to just have young men waiting on me, hand and foot, in my palace," and which is which is funny because she does end up with a group of guys called the Midnight Boys that kind of feel that role yeah they at kind of wait on her they, head and foot they, yeah yeah they seem to at least
0: it's probably a little different than she envisions though because in her vision she's like sitting in this wicker chair completely naked with like glass of wine and everything and all these like servants around her
1: <laughs> but there are four and i do think that the, that she has four midnight boys
0: that sounds about right on. actually now that you say that yeah
1: and then of course Obero is just like I the wouldn't gun. mind waiting on you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's he is all about midnight, man. I he love is it. head over heels for this scantily clad woman. And as Absolutely. most to be fair, in his defense, as most high school aged boys would be in the presence of somebody near their age with nothing on. So
0: Yeah. And she's kind of like flirting with him, it looks like. She steals his goggles and she's trying them on. All why Azawa is is kind of away from them. Like he's he's turned around, he's walked off maybe a little bit, looking over the side of the roof. Uh, but he turns back and he smiles, like he's enjoying the moment.
1: Yeah, and he says the, the wind was whipping those clouds around, and I believe I was going nowhere fast, but it felt like I'd get swept away too. The sky I saw beyond the glass of those goggles seemed so vast and so open. But then we get this ominous close to this series of episodes, and again, uh, the the very end of Volume 8, where a week forward in time from this rooftop encounter that we bore witness to here, uh, we have that there was a violent villain attack in uh, Tasamaya Ward. Pro Hero Purple Highness and one trainee of his were on the scene responding but the villain fought back and wounded them. We need backup immediately. We need backup now. And so we see uh, his purple highness uh, laying on his back, which is very unlike the Prince song face down. Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's my last one this week. Um, And then we see a pair of goggles that are all busted up in the, uh, in the foreground of the, the very bottom panel as the rain uh, descends upon them. And, we have every reason to believe that those are Shirakumo's goggles. I mean, i that seems like the reasonable assumption to make at this point, based on I what we so. know of the future, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's a bummer, too. Like, I had that thought around probably the second chapter of this episode where I was like, wow, I really like this character. Why have we never heard of him before? And I kind of started thinking, like, ah, he's probably just not around or something. But then I saw this scene, and I'm like, okay, he's dead.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it feels like they're killing the class, cl- uh, class clown very early, if that's yeah. what they're doing.
0: But it makes sense, because in the very beginning of these chapters, I always said something along the lines of, like, I couldn't even save a kitten back then. So if he's even thinking, like, I couldn't even save a kitten, let alone one of my best friends you right, know, that's right. kind of that, that throughput that I'm thinking of. So I can't wait to read these next four chapters, man. Like this is, this is getting really exciting. I really like this past tense stuff that we're getting into.
1: Me too. Um, so we've got more to look forward to the next time we record, cause we still have to wait a little while for my hero's new season to begin, uh, in late March, but between now and then, even between This moment that I'm speaking in the very end of our episode, we've got to discuss some sick combo moves.
0: Yeah, I really want to hear. So we had a fan submit one, and I think we should do that one first.
1: Okay. Yeah, this is Tomic, and he is a member of our Discord, very chatty in there and uh, participates in any conversations that break out. And uh, I'm just going to read you verbatim what he wrote to me because I don't want to get anything wrong. So he sent this to me in a DM so that it would be a surprise uh, to the people who listen to this and are a part of that Discord. So surprise from from Tomek. He says, hey, about the combo idea, here's what I came up with. Kurogiri and number six or six. So basically it works as a long range attack from various directions. Kurogiri opens eight small portals around the target that lead to one portal in front of six. Six execute." Uh, executes his eight instant blows through the portal with each blow coming from a different portal on the target. And for good measure, the last punch is an exploding one. And then he puts in a little musical note, which I super loved. Uh, <laughs> <That's so awesome. laughs> he called this the black eight because Kuro is black in the uh, Giri's name. And obviously eight would be the number of blows. Uh, and as a plus, it just so happens to work as a billiards pool reference, seeing yes. that a game of eight ball ends when you pocket the black eight ball.
0: That is a really, really cool quirk. Like, that is, wow. Or not quirk, but combo. That was, uh, well, well put, man. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, super awesome. It's two villains uh, p- teaming up together to do some long-range face punching. Uh, you know, I and didn't, very effectively, too.
0: I know that we said that this was open to, like, any character in the My Hero universe, but for some reason, I didn't even think about villains.
1: Oh, yeah. I uh, I started teasing uh, tossing around some ideas that involve villains, but I ended up going with uh, two familiar faces from uh, My Hero Proper. Some okay. some good guys.
0: What you got? I I want to know.
1: Okay, so my combo involves Cementos and oh, Tokoyami. Okay. What? Yeah. So all right, this is gonna, it. Has to it in, it requires an urban environment because Cementos doesn't, as far as I know, he doesn't generate concrete. He just manipulates it. But the concrete that he manipulates or can form is very, very durable. Like we've seen that in the fight with uh, Sato and Kirishima, how hard of a time they had breaking through it. We saw that in the training where like Bakugo's blasts and uh, Midori's kicks, you know, were putting dents in it, but it wasn't like exploding like so much dust. So my idea is um, in this, I'm calling this move in tomb. And so Cementos basically just traps a, a villain in a giant concrete dome with Tokoyami and Dark Shadow just goes ham, just absolutely <laughs> goes bonkers. That's I guess that would make sense because the light would be gone completely. It would be out completely. And Tokoyami could just go as hard as he wants to. And Cementos, if, if some crack or fissure or somehow some hole would, were to be formed in that concrete dome, he could just close it right back up so Dark Shadow could take care of business.
0: That's interesting. See, I I the only thing that worries me about that combo is I was under the impression that when Dark Shadow takes over, Tokoyami was in like a great deal of distress because he's not in control. So, I don't know. I wonder if Tokoyami would even be okay with something like that.
1: I think Tokoyami is okay doing what needs to be done. I don't think that you necessarily lead with this. I think that this is like
0: <laughs> Maybe, it's a finishing uh, move for sure yeah it's, yeah i don't mean, open with it
1: yeah you definitely don't want to be trapped in a completely lightless environment with dark shadow full stop i mean dark shadow is one of the strongest quirks in all of class 1a right now for sure absolutely and so it at full power in complete darkness would be something that would be very very difficult to overcome or handle unless What's you it? have a quirk that generates light like Bakugo.
0: Wasn't he one of the individuals that they initially thought might be uh, accepting the one-for-all from All Might?
1: I don't remember
0: that. Because I know he was recommended to UA. He didn't get in because he passed some exam. He was just, you know, like, admitted on recommendation, I thought. Yeah. Um, him and Tokoyami, or uh, not Tokoyami, but um, Shoto, Todoroki. Todoroki.
1: And so, uh, Momo.
0: And Momo, right. Um, interesting, huh? Man, that's so a cool in, one. I in like tomb. that.
1: That would be the name him. of that. And That's I can cool. just see Tokoyami shouting something like, You're locked in here with me, as he <laughs> unleashes Dark Shadow to kick whatever's <laughs> butt is inside of that little dome.
0: Uh, I can see that. I like it. What about so, you, man? Mine is named Sugar Creation, and it is Momo and Rikido Sato. And the idea is that Momo would create some sort of harness or platform that he could wear, and she would basically ride on his back and pump sugar directly into his veins. <laughs>
1: So he's just she just creates like a horse feeder bag for him.
0: Well, what I was thinking was more kind of like, uh, do you remember how nine had those weird like things in his back that like filled him full of like, I don't know, medicine or something instead of Sato having to take those sugar packets, she could basically just mainline glucose to him. I mean, it would be (laughs) what he needs, you know, and it could just be like that nonstop sugar rush. Uh, So I, I think that would be pretty crazy to see.
1: Okay, so I'm reading up on his quirk, because I, I thought that there was some s- weird restriction to it, and it's, so it's 10 grams, and then it increases his strength, and for every additional 10 grams, he extends the time of the increased strength by another three minutes. So it sounds like he probably has a ceiling, and I think that that's what he was working on in the summer camp arc, was he getting was his, eating, like, he? base level stronger. Yeah. Um, but it does say that he... Uh, that he his his cognitive functions gradually dropped <laughs> so he would go full on like uh Kaminari <laughs> after long enough of this move.
0: See that's why she needs to be able to create some sort of mech suit to control his arms and stuff. So he can just be <laughs> the muscle and she can kind of like it would almost be like uh like a Gundam, you know?
1: <laughs> or or after a point she kind of balances thing out uh, things out with like insulin maybe. Maybe <laughs> like
0: yeah injects him with something
1: to counteract the glucose in his blood.
0: It would basically be like a sugar pump for him, though. I mean, it was just she'd be able to regulate it for him. Uh, but that's, uh, that's that's the one that kept popping up in my head. I was like, man, that would be crazy.
1: Yeah, I like that. I can't wait until we do this next time because I had really, I had a lot of fun just looking over character names and reading over quirk, um, text, uh, the the abilities, the texts of their abilities online, and trying to find cool ways to combine them. I've got a couple ideas. I'm still trying to make one work for Minetta. I am, I am dead set on making a... Sweet ass combo move that involves that.: <laughs> His
0: combo move from the movie was pretty kick ass with the uh, the rocks and everything. Yeah,
1: I don't want to be too derivative, and I definitely don't want to just copy. So uh, no, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to come up with something. But it wasn't it wasn't this week. I, this was one of the first things that came into my mind was just robbing all light from around Tokoyami and just letting Dark Shadow just handle business. Oh, man, man
0: that is that's dope. scary. Like seriously. Yep, that's all I got for this week, man. Yep, same here. Uh, I, I guess we'll get together here in a couple of weeks and read four more chapters, and uh, maybe next week we'll do, or not next week, but maybe next time we'll do a uh, uh, some sort of f- fortune reading or something for one of our, maybe we need to do it for our pal uh, Loudcloud. You know, it sounds like he's got some bad news headed his way.
1: Could be. I'll, I'll check. I'm sure that he's got a canonical birthday so we can make something work. So uh, you also had another, I can't recall it off the top of my head, but you had in passing mentioned something in the discord that I said would be a really fun idea for a segment. So um, I'll, I'll try to find that, dig that back up and, and put that back in our back pockets. Cause I do remember thinking that it would be pretty funny to explore whatever it was. I'll find it. Speaking of Twitter, um, you know, if you aren't following us there, if you're listening, go give us a follow. Um, we are, <laughs> it's very funny. We, we've talked about these, these couple other My Hero podcasts that, w- that we're uh, going to do some, some team up, some crossover work with in the not too distant future. And uh, this week, uh, one of them hit 300 followers. And the other one hit 3000 followers. And uh, I would be shocked if we had 30. (laughs) And I was like, man, we are the small fish in a very deep pond, it seems like. Uh, So if you're listening, go in and pat our egos a little bit. Give that account a follow. Find us in the Discord channel that's pinned, I believe, on our Twitter profile. Find us on iTunes and leave us a review. All these things not only give us a little bit more visibility, um, but they also give us a little bit more access to you. And that's what what we like. We like that communication. Um, and uh, community that is built up around this silly thing that we like and do so uh, look yeah, us up absolutely. shout us out give us and a follow all the
0: links are in the description of the episode typically and not only that but if you want to check out network.com, you'll find all the links there too
1: alright that that's going to do it for me man
0: same here Having a good week everybody see you guys almighty podcast is brought to you by the back patio network you can follow us on twitter at almighty pod or follow at back patio net for all network news if you enjoyed what you heard go check out our patreon patreon.com back patio network you can help support the network get access to early episodes and lots of other great stuff if you want to get to know us come hang out in our discord channel we have lots of fun and would love to have you in there my name is adam and you can follow me on twitter at the real simso s-i-m-s-o